Please have a seat. That's going to be a great song just to sing because that's a great reminder because the Bible tells us great is his faithfulness. And um, that's just a great promise to know that he won't fail. All right. Hey, do me a favor. Grab a copy of God's word, but get to John chapter 15. Doing a study through the book of John, and we have made it through 14 chapters, starting chapter 15 today. And remember, as I have said over the past several weeks, chapters 13 through 17 is Jesus in his last moments with the disciples before he goes to the cross, before he's betrayed, arrested, the whole nine yards. And um, in these last few moments, probably the last couple, hour and a half, couple hours, he's encouraging these guys, he's teaching them, he's telling some, some important things. And in John chapter 15, he is um, getting to a very difficult issue. He, he, this teaching is, is not like one of those user-friendly teachings, if you want to say it that way. Um, it's, it's a hard teaching. Everybody say it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard, all right? But it's going to be very important. And so we're going to be in John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11 today. Um, who would like to take a pop quiz? Anybody? Of course she would. Y'all are not raising your hands anymore. This is no fun. You're like, I'm not taking a pop quiz. All right, Paula. I like to... All right. Um, what was the goal of Jesus coming to this earth? Seek and save sinners. Where is that located at? That's actually a pop quiz question that's not in my notes, but I just want to see how, how good you are. New Testament. There we go. You can't go wrong. It's in the Bible. Luke 19, but he came to seek and save sinners. So that's, that's the first question. So Jesus comes to seek and save sinners. He came to this world not to be religious, not to make us religious. He came to seek and save sinners, which everybody is. Every single person on earth through history is a sinner. And because we are all sinners, the Bible says we all fall short of the glory of God. So we all need a Savior. Jesus is that Savior. So that was his purpose, his mission, to come to seek and save sinners who we all are. Question number two, when someone comes to know Christ as their Savior, all right, so Jesus, Jesus comes to seek and save sinners. The way we are saved is through faith in Christ. When a person is saved through faith in Jesus Christ, are they immediately transported to heaven? No. We stay here, all right? Um, when you come to know Christ as Savior, you don't, you, God doesn't beam you up like Scotty, all right? I hope you all my Trekkie fans understand that reference. All right. Um, you're not beamed up to heaven. You, you stay here. So you come to know Christ. You've been baptized. You are here. Now, third question, Paula. What's the, what's the purpose, the goal, after becoming a believer in Jesus Christ then? What's the goal of our life? There we go. To grow, to mature, to become more like Christ. Jesus is going to sum it up into this word today in our text. Bear fruit. As a believer in Christ, you are to, when you come to know Christ as your Savior, the goal isn't to say, well, I'm saved, I'm good to go. No, it's I'm saved, Jesus has saved me, now I want to become more like him. And that's the goal of the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, is to change us and, and transform us into more of the image of Christ. And Jesus is hitting it here, and he's talking about being fruitful. And so today I want to look at five things about being fruitful 
And here's the first thing. And I would encourage you to take notes, follow along. But the first thing about being fruitful is this. Being fruitful is the result of God working in our lives. Being fruitful is the result of God working in our lives. So starting there, chapter 15, verse 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me. Now, I'm, let me stop right there. So Jesus is connecting him, God, and us, believers, branches. And he's, he's using the symbolism of a vine, a vine dresser, and branches. All right? Jesus says, I'm the vine. He says, God, the Father, is the vine dresser. Or some of you, if, if you Old Testament or Old King James Version, you may have a version that says husbandman, something like that. The idea is God's the gardener. He, he takes care of the, the, the vine and the branches. And Jesus is using the symbolism of that believers in him are the branches. In fact, if you even just look at verse 5, he says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Okay? So... He's the vine, God's the gardener, we're the branches. And that's the symbolism he's going to be utilizing through here in this text. And that's what we need to understand. All right? Now, look at verse... So there in verse 2, he says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Look at verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Look at verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is, it is he that bears much fruit. Look at verse 8. He says, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. What's the core issue Jesus is trying to get here? Bear fruit. All right? In fact, six times in these few verses, he's... Bear fruit, bear fruit, bear fruit, bear fruit, bear fruit, bear fruit. All right? Be fruitful. And what does he mean, though, by bearing fruit? That's one of those religious words we can throw around and say, hey, be fruitful. Grapes? What are you talking about? All right? What's he mean by bearing fruit? He's talking about spiritual fruit. All right? Now, we know, and probably most of you probably are well-versed with Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit, pop quiz, anybody? Marlene. Bingo. All right. Very good. Those are, that's fruit, okay? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Those are fruit of the Spirit. But here's the thing. It just doesn't stop there. There's a lot of other fruit. There's the fruit of repentance and confession of sin. There's the fruit of serving. The fruit of financial giving. The fruit of witnessing. The fruit of spending time with God in prayer and His Word. The fruit of obeying His Word. That's all spiritual fruit. The real issue of spiritual fruit is, as a believer in Jesus Christ, as a Christian, if I'm saved, I am becoming more like Christ. That is spiritual fruit. Your life is different. Your life is changing. Perfect? No. 
but progressively becoming more and more like Jesus. That is spiritual fruit. And that's what Jesus is getting at here, is that my heart's desire is not more, is the flesh all the time. My heart's desire is to walk and become more like Christ. That my, my life is bearing that fruit. Not perfectly, but progressively. I am becoming more like Christ in my character and my conduct. But notice though, so he's talking about fruit here, but notice there in verse 2, he describes two different kind of branches. He says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So you have branches, and remember I said branches are who's in him, who are believers, okay? There are going to be some branches, believers, Christians, who bear fruit, and there will be some branches, believers, Christians, who don't bear fruit. This is what we need to understand. I believe there are four types of believers, four types of Christians. One is um, the, oh man, I had it right there on the tip of my tongue, the artificial believer. The artificial believer is just this. I just profess to be a believer. It's the person who, by process of elimination, I'm a Christian. Well, I'm not a Buddhist. I'm not Hindu. I'm not Muslim. I'm not an atheist. I'm not agnostic. Well, I'm an American, so that makes me a Christian. It's nothing more than a label, all right? It's just something I say. Um, I, I, I'm a Christian because I wear my gold cross. I'm a Christian because, well, I was baptized as an infant. I'm a Christian because I've been a member of a church for 45 years. That makes me a Christian, all right? But the problem is, is there's no fruit. There's nothing about that person that gives evidence to say, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. That's why some people can be at work and go, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. And people look at you and go, really? Never would have guessed. Why? Why do people say? Because there's nothing about me that gives any indication, any evidence, any fruit that declares I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. The only thing that says I'm a believer in Jesus Christ is my lip service by simply saying I'm a Christian. You see, that's really nothing more than like Judas. Judas, he fooled everybody except for one person, Jesus. That's why if you remember when Jesus was washing the disciples' feet, he says, you all are clean, except to one of you. And he was referring to Judas because Judas was not a real believer. He was an artificial believer, only by mouth, only by word, only by lip service. But his heart was far from Jesus, not a believer at all. So you have artificial believers, artificial Christians. Here's the second one. You also have walking away believers or walking away Christians. These are people who, um, you know, came to know Christ, live for Christ, serving Christ, was bearing fruit for Jesus, but something happened in their life at some point, and they were like, I'm done. And they walk away. 
You see, Hebrews actually says it like this. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. It says, see to it, brothers. The word brothers is talking about Christians. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Believe it or not, Christians who can turn away and we can walk away from God. And we can renounce it and we can, I don't want it anymore. People go through a storm, people, something bad happens in life. And what do people do? We get mad at God. We shake our fists at God. And if that's the way God is, forget it. And we will walk away. No longer bearing fruit. Becoming fruitless. That's the second kind of branch. But then there's this third kind of branch. The third kind of um, believer. And it's this, the backsliding believer. This is the Christian who wants to live with one foot in the church and one foot in the culture. I I want to just keep myself Christianized just enough so it doesn't make it look like I'm denying Jesus, but I'm going to live for the culture. This is the person who, who, well, I'll go to church on Sunday, but but every weekend I'm getting drunk with my friends in the bars on Friday and Saturday. You see, this is the person who says, I'm a believer, I'm, I'm a Christian, but yet um, everything that comes out of my mouth, they know the Bible says, don't let anything impure come out of your mouth, but yet um, I, 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 I gossip about everything. I, I tell coarse and, and crude jokes all the time. I cuss like a sailor. It's, the, it's the, 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 the couple who know we shouldn't live together, but they do it anyway. You see, the backslider says, I know what the Bible says, but I don't want to do it. I want to do what I want to do. And so we keep enough foot in the church just to make it look like I'm, I'm okay, but I'm still living for the culture. Backslider. Those are the people who bear no fruit. But then there's one more kind of believer. The authentic believer. The authentic Christian. This is the person who has come to know Christ the Savior, has put their faith in him, And is walking with him. Living for him. Looking at their life going, you know, perfect? No. But progressively, day by day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, progressively moving and acting and becoming more like who? Like Christ. Bearing fruit. Okay, where people can look at you and go, man, you're not the same person. I remember you 15 years ago. I grew up with you, man. You used we worked we worked together. Now you're like different. Why? Because there's fruit coming out of your life and people see it. You see, that's an authentic believer, not perfect, but progressively more and more all the time bearing the fruit of Christ like character and conduct that is the person who bears fruit.
And that, those are the two branches Jesus is talking about here. But also, again, in verse 2, we gotta, we're going to keep flushing this out. So he talks about these two branches, and one bears fruit, one doesn't bear fruit. But look at how God, who is the, 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 the vine dresser, the gardener, treats both branches. He says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he, meaning God, the father, the vine dresser, the gardener, he takes it away. Every branch that does bear fruit, he, God, the father, the vine dresser, the gardener, prunes it. Okay? So God takes both kinds of branches. He takes both styles and, or types of, of believers and he works in them. Notice the first one, he says, the ones that don't bear fruit, he takes away. Now, here's the danger of this verse and also verse 6. I'll get to that one here in a little bit. But we take these two verses, and here's how, what, how we apply it. You lose your salvation. You sin, you lose your salvation. You're going to hell. All right? And that, well, the problem with that teaching is this. Jesus says that if you are truly an authentic believer in Christ, you've given your heart to Christ, you're not just in just lip service. You're not just like, you know, I'm playing church. No, you are an authentic believer in Christ. The Bible makes it very clear. Jesus says, if you are in my hands, nothing snatches you out. The Bible makes it very clear. When you come to know Christ, you are sealed in the Holy Spirit. You're not losing your salvation, all right? It's not what this is talking about. He's talking about branches that do not bear fruit. The artificial believer, the walking away believer, the backsliding believer, no fruit. What does he do with them? He takes them away. Now, here's the thing. That, that, those words, taking away, can mean to remove completely. But in the context in here, it's not what he's talking about. The idea of taking away also can mean to take up or to pull up. It's kind of like if you can imagine a, a, a massive grapevine. And you've got all these nice grapes on the top, but the vine hangs down real low. And then you've got some of the vine branches tucked up underneath on the soil. And those aren't bearing anything. The vine dresser, the gardener, will take those vines and prop them up. Lift them up. So guess what happens? They get the sun. And the idea is as the sun starts to beat down, guess what they'll do? Bear fruit. So God, what happens here is you take the, the artificial believer, you take the walking away believer, and you take the, the backsliding believer, is that God still works in their life. He doesn't look at you and go, oh, you're a backslider, forget you, I'm done with you. He brings conviction. He, he, he allows things in your life. He puts people in your life to speak into your life. And the whole goal of all of this is that God wants to get our attention. To wake us up spiritually. That if I'm the artificial believer and I'm just you know, giving lip service, that something in my heart will come alive and go, wow, I've been fake. I've been a fake my entire life. That the walking away believer, his eyes would be opened up and like, where have I? And go back to Jesus. That the backslider will realize, man, I, I can't just have one foot in the church. I need both feet in the church. The idea is, is that God would bring repentance and confession to the You see this with David in Psalm chapter 32. 
David, King David, his life was awesome to one point. And he was, a, he was considered a man after God's own heart. And he had it going on. And he was this young shepherd boy. And God's like, ah, oh, he's, he's the next king, man. He, he's, he's it. And when he became king, he was doing great things. And he, had, he was a man after God's own heart. And tell Bathsheba. And he sees Bathsheba bathing. And then everything from that point goes south. And he loses it. And for a, quite a while... David, a man after God's own heart, is no longer after God's heart. He's after his own thing. And he fell. Now, here's the thing. David, David must, he fell. He was that vine on the ground. He was not bearing fruit anymore. God didn't give up on him. Because listen to what, what David says in Psalm chapter 32. It, regarding his sinful life and everything. David writes this, he says, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, here it is, For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength dried up as like the heat from the summer. But I acknowledge my sin to you. I did not cover up my sin. I said, I will confess, and you forgave me. Of all of my iniquity. But did you see the key? Your hand was heavy upon me. Not your hand was away from me. The hand of God was heavy on David. For one reason. David turned back. Repent of your sin. It wasn't. I mean. He had. He had. He. He had the affair with Bathsheba, he forced her to sleep with him, had her husband killed, had all this going on, and he would not confess his sin. It wasn't, and this is hard to believe, but it wasn't until that child died that David finally saw his sin, and he confesses it. And that's why we have Psalm 32. God, your hand was heavy upon me. Never abandon me, never... Never forsake me. It was heavy. And that's what I believe God does with the artificial believer. He does it with the, the, the walking away believer and the backsliding believer. God doesn't quit on us. He doesn't give up on us. He tries to prop us up and tries to bring that conviction in the heart. So that way we will turn, see our sins, see where we're at, see that we're not connected with Christ and get back to the place where we need to be. That's what he does with the first three. But notice what he does with the one who does bear fruit. He says, And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Here's the thing we always got to understand. God loves you right where you are in your sin. So when you come to Jesus, you don't have to clean yourself up. You don't have to get yourself right. Man, you just come in all your filth, all your nastiness, all your sinfulness, and say, God, here I am. Jesus, come into my life and just save me. And at that point, God says, man, I love you still, but I don't want to keep you here. Yep, I, I loved you in your sin, but now you know Christ, but let's not, let's not stay comfortable. Now let's keep working. And the Holy Spirit lives within us. The Holy Spirit's going to change us. But here's what happens. Even as a fruit-bearing believer, you're doing good. You're bearing fruit. You're serving. You're connected. You're, you're doing what you're supposed to do. Guess what God's still doing? 
he's still looking at us. Because how many of you know God knows you better than you know yourself? And so there may be things in your life that you think may be okay, but God's like, man, we still got to work in that. There may be things that are good in your life, but God's like, I got to take you to the better. So he may have to take the good out to give you the better. There may be things in your life you think is not a big deal, but, the God, but God's like, hmm, that's a big deal. And he'll work on us. Why? Because there may be things that he has to clean in us. There may be things that we're loving a little too much where he's like, hmm, that could become an idol. I may have to remove that. What that it's pruning. Why? So we'll bear more fruit. Okay? So that's what God does. He, 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 he works in us. Whether you, 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 you are the, the, the branch bearing no fruit or the branch bearing fruit, God is going to work in your life. And it's only for one purpose, to produce more fruit. So being fruitful is a result of God working in our lives. Here's the second thing. Being fruitful takes place as I remain close to Christ. You will bear fruit as you, you remain close to Christ. So starting in verse 4, Jesus says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abided in his love. Key word that keeps popping up there. Abide. In fact, in those few verses, anybody like to take a gander how many times the word abide is said? A lot. <laughs> Summed up. Ten times. Jesus is trying to get something across here. Now, some of you may have a version that says remain, all right? Well, here's the word thing. Our English words abide and remain are translated from the Greek, from the Greek word meno, M-E-N-O, not meno, but meno. And it means to remain, to stay, to reside. Jesus is telling these guys whom they will tell the church, listen, if you want to bear fruit, if you truly want to be like me, guess where you got to be? By me. You, you can't depart. You can't walk away. You can't be out there doing your own thing. You got to remain in me. You got to abide in me. You got to reside right here. Don't go away. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Stay right here with me. He goes, when you do that, you'll bear fruit. Because like he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Because some people are like, man, I want to be a better witness. Well, here's how you be a better witness. you got to be praying about that. You go to work and you want to be a witness at work? Don't think, because well, some people are like, well, if I just had a better, like a better intro, you know, maybe I, if I just could 
be a fancy speaker. No, no, no. All you need is dependence upon the Holy Spirit. Because when I worked at the prison, I'm telling you, every night I would sit in that parking lot. God, help me to witness in this place. It is God that gives you the ability to remain in Christ. Abide in him. That's how you bear fruit. Sometimes we say, well, if I just white knuckle this thing, man, I will do okay. Anybody get tired of trying to white knuckle your Christian walk? Because we're still failing, aren't we? We're still wrapped in flesh, and we're not perfect. And it gets frustrating when, man, I, I try so hard, but I fall down. I try so hard, and I qu- and boom, it's like, Paul, the thing I, I don't want to do, I keep doing. The thing I should do, I don't do. That's frustrating. And the, well, the way we keep, the way you, we, you and I bear fruit is by abiding in Christ. And so for us to abide in Christ, the way we do that is you got to stay steadfast and, and you got to remain and you got to keep. That's why we spend time in the word. We spend time in prayer. We, why, why worship is vital. Why connecting with other believers, whether it's maybe a Sunday school class or a small group, connecting with other believers and Bible studying, having people pray for you. Those are the things that keep you abiding in Christ. Abiding in Christ is not some kind of kumbaya thing that's just floating around out there. It is you and I taking proactive steps. That's why he says, you abide in me, then I will abide in you. You remain in me. The way you and I remain in Christ is through his word. It's through prayer. It's through worship. It's through connecting with other believers and and dialogue. Those are the things that help us stay connected and abiding in Christ. So that way, when I'm doing these things, guess what? It helps me bear fruit. It gives me the strength because I don't know about you, but anybody going through storms right now? Fiery trials just like plaguing your life? Well, how do you, how do you, how many times have you ever seen, like I said earlier, how many people when going through the storm and, and the pain in life get angry at God and they walk away? Why does that happen? Because they don't have enough depth and enough maturity to remain with Christ in the storm. They forget about his faithfulness, as that song says. He won't fail. But yet we walk away. And the reason why people walk away is because they are not grounded in abiding in Christ. And so we got to keep abiding in Christ. You keep steadfast and staying close to him. Now, we need to take a notice at verse 6, though. This is an important verse. Verse 6, he says, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. So if you're not abiding in Christ, you are not doing what? Bearing fruit. And if you're not bearing fruit, you are like the branch that he's already said. You are a branch that is not bearing fruit. So, again, when he says that these branches are are taken away, thrown away, burned, he's not talking about losing your salvation. I believe that is specifically toward the branches that aren't bearing fruit. Artificial believers, walking away believers, backsliding believers. They are non-bearing fruit people. And the only way you and I bear no fruit is we're not abiding in Christ. We're not connected to Christ. Okay? So 
Is this verse, re, is it, in, in the context, is it, re, is it suggesting now that, is this referring to hell? Is burning up, let me say it this way. First, let me talk about the, the, the artificial believer and the walking away believer, okay? The artificial believer is the person who just has the profession, but no heart change. They, 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 they're connected with their mouth, but their heart is not saved. Truly an unbeliever. The walking away believer is the person who says, I'm done with God. I'm done with this stuff. And they walk away. These people, as long as they have breath in their lung, God will not give up on them. And they can feel the conviction. Whether it's things in their life, people speaking to them, whatever it may be, God will try to get their attention. And as long as they have breath in their lungs, they are able to repent. They can confess. They can come to that place. The artificial believer can wake up and go, wow, I have not been a genuine believer. I have not been authentic. I've been playing games, man. I've just been, just been, have just, just had this lip service thing, but I have not been saved. And they can repent and say, Jesus, come into my life. The walking away believer can get that conviction that, that God can put people in their life, events in their life that get them to go, man, I, 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 I got to get back to Jesus. And they can turn, repent, and confess and come back. That's why they have breath in their lungs. But if the artificial believer and the walking away believer continue down that road, away from Christ, disconnected from Christ, no life in Christ, and they die, I believe this verse is applying to hell, eternal judgment, because they died in their sin. They died without Christ. They died apart from Christ. They had no life in them. Nothing going on in the inside. They were gone. And I believe when it says that these branches will be gathered, thrown away, and then burned, that's eternal judgment. But that's the artificial believer, and that's the walking away believer. But what about the backsliding believer? I don't believe this verse applies to eternal judgment. Here's what I do believe. A backslider, the person who says, well, I'm a, I'm a Christian, but is living like the culture, living like the world, living in sin, their testimony is burned up. Let me read from one commentary that I have. It's a believer's commentary, and it says this. It says, this person, referring to the backslider, this person gets out of touch with the Lord, commits some sin, his testimony is ruined. Through failure to abide in Christ, they are thrown out as a branch, not by Christ, but by other people. These people are like branches that are gathered and thrown into the fire and they are burned. People scoff at the backslidden Christian. They drag their name through the mud they throw the testimony of this Christian into the fire. You see, that's what a backsliding Christian does. It destroys everything you have ever gained as a believer in Christ. 
It takes every, your witness to the people you've worked with, the witness to your family, to your neighbors. And the moment you make a decision to say, you know what, I'm going to start living for myself, living in the world, living in the culture, and you start living in sin, everybody sees it. And they look at your testimony and go, it's worthless. Man, he used to talk to me about Jesus all the time. And now look at him. He's living worse than I am. Forget it. I don't need to hear that anymore. Paul says that in the book of Romans. He says, those of you who preach against stealing, do you steal? Those of you who preach against this, do you do this? He goes, it's because of you that unbelievers reject me. You see, we can have our testimony burned up that fast. Because backsliding Christians do that. But here's the thing. Again, the backsliding Christian is like, it's like that, that, that stuff on the ground. God wants to lift you up. Even like right now, if you are a backsliding Christian, the, the word of God is trying to convict your heart to stop it. Get back with Jesus. Get out of the culture. Again, perfect? No. None of us are. But there's a difference between saying I'm not perfect and using that as an excuse to live how I want versus I know I'm not perfect, but Jesus help me. Paul was like that. Paul's like, man, I, have, I, I see a goal I want to get. And that goal is I want to be exactly like Jesus. I want to be perfect like, like him, but man, I'm not there. But Paul says, one thing I do, man, I, I forget what I did yesterday, but I keep pressing on to make that perfection goal my own. See, that's the difference. A backslider says, yeah, I know. The backslider is when someone confronts them about their sin. Dude, what are you doing, man? Get back to church. I, I don't want to. I, they don't receive it. They reject it. They know what the Bible says, but they don't care. Now, here's the danger area of a backslider. Again, we burn up our, our, our horizontal testimony with people. Man, we just, backsliding destroys all that. But here's the other thing we got to understand. Is a backsliding believer, I believe it's a season. It's got a, a season of time they can be in. And if they were to die, I believe, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, 1 Corinthians 3 these are people that, yeah, they're in heaven. They're, they're saved but only as one escaping through the flames. It's like you're coming into heaven with your tail smoking. But then it says this, but you will stand before Christ and you will be judged because every believer will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and will be judged for what we did as believers. A backsliding believer, it's like all of your stuff is going to be like hay and stubble before Jesus and burned. And you'll lose everything. All the rewards, all the accolades that we can achieve from Christ will be gone, burned up. But here's the other danger, I think. A backsliding believer, if they're not careful, because as a backslider, the Holy Spirit prompts us, convicts the heart. You can only go so long rejecting that. You can only live as a, a backsliding, backsliding believer, I believe, so long before you stop hearing that. 
because you can quench and squelch the Holy Spirit. You can grieve him all the time. And that voice, you can push down so deep, you no longer hear it. And here's what can happen is I'm not just backsliding anymore. I've actually turned into a walking away believer. Because if I can deny the voice of the Holy Spirit, if I can keep rejecting the word of God, if I, can, if I keep rejecting the counsel, why do you think the Bible says do not reject or do not like, throw off the rebuff of a believer or, or a close friend? Because they're trying to get you back on track, but I don't need it, I don't need it, I don't need it, don't want to hear it, don't want to hear it. And we keep walking on that backslidden road, I'm telling you, it's a slippery slope. And before I know it, I've become a walking away believer because I've just walked away from Christ completely. That's why if you're, a backsl- if you're backsliding right now, get back to Jesus today. Get out of the, stop the worldly stuff. Get back with Jesus today. We need to be people who keep close to Jesus to bear fruit. Okay, I'm going to go through these last three really fast because I can tell some of you are getting tired. Here's the third thing. Being fruitful changes the way I pray. It will change the way I pray. Look at verse 7. Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given done. It will be done for you. Oh, that's awesome. I love that, man. That Those two lotteries, they're huge. I want to be a 1.4 billionaire today. Jesus, help me. I'm going to go play the lottery. And in your name, I'm going to thank you. I've got, I'm going to win those two lotteries today. And all in favor of that? How many of you know that is not a carte blanche statement Jesus just made? He's just not like, oh, whatever you want. You just ask for me. I'll give it to you. That's not what he's saying. Notice the key. He who abides in me and abides in my word. Because here's what happens. When you and I are abiding in Christ, and I've already said how we do this, through prayer, through worship, you know, through, through the study of his word, through connecting with other believers. So as I'm abiding in Christ through those ways, I'm abiding in his word, and his word is abiding in me. Guess what's taking place inside of me? Change. It's maturing me. It's, it's, it's causing me to become more like Christ. So as I am maturing and growing as a believer and becoming like Christ... Is my prayer time going to be more selfish or is it going to be less selfish? Less. Because as I'm, as I'm maturing as a believer, guess where my prayer is all about? God, what do you want? It doesn't mean, you know, Jesus already tells us, hey, when you pray, pray this way. And then that in the Lord's prayer, he says, give us today our daily bread. He says, pray for stuff. We can pray for stuff. Paul says, hey, when you pray, pray with thanksgiving, pray with all kinds, present your supplications and your requests to God, put them out there. But when we're growing and maturing as a believer in Christ, it's not like, oh, God, I'm so selfish. Here's what I want. Here's my here's my list. And I want this, 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 this and this. And you better give it to me because Jesus said that. No, it's God. what, what, What do you want for my life? Lord, I was just told I may lose my job. What's your will in that? what's your will in our finances that that happens? God, I've, I've got cancer. What's your will? God, I would love to be healed, but if, if you choose not to, what do you want to do through it? Do you see the difference? 
You see, when we're praying in the will of God, Jesus is like, God will give you that all day long because it's his will. You're maturing and growing and bearing fruit is I want, I want to be praying in the will of God. And whatever God chooses at that moment, his ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are higher than ours. So whatever he allows, whatever he chooses, and that, whatever that path looks like, your will be done. Here's the fourth thing. Being fruitful affects God's glory and my witness. It affects God's glory and my witness. Look at verse 8. He says, by this, my father is glorified. So Jesus is going to tell you how God is glorified, that you bear much fruit. There's the first one. We bring God glory when we bear fruit as a believer in Jesus Christ. All right. Glory means that, that he's going to get the honor. He's going to get the praise. He's going to get the worship. He's going to get the adoration. Man, that's what we are. At. That, that should be my heart's goal. And my heart's desire is God. I want to bring you honor. I want to glorify you. I want you to be exalted in my life. I don't want people cursing you because of what I do. I don't want people to be like, wow, God's really good because look what he's done in your life. Look at, I want to live in such a way that brings him honor. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, he says, whatever you eat, drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. God gets the glory. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 2, this is like, here's how you live. Because of what Jesus did for, done for you, here's how you live. Live in such a way that you please the Lord. That's bearing fruit. My bearing fruit brings honor and glory to God. But look at the second thing Jesus says it does. He says, as the Father, verse 8, by, the, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciple. Prove it. Jesus is like, listen, yo, yo, if you want to know how I'm going to know you're my disciple and how people are going to know it, prove it. Don't just talk about it. Don't just give me lip service. Prove you are a disciple. How do you prove you're a disciple? You bear fruit. That's all it is. You're bearing fruit. You look like Jesus. That's how he will know. It's really weird that Jesus is like, you got to prove it to me. The proof is in the fruit. And I will know, Jesus is like, I'll know you are my disciple by the fruit you bear. And if only the fruit you have is, I'm a Christian, and nothing else, you're not a disciple. This is how people will know you are a disciple. I love the, the Merriam-Webster's Dictionary actually defines glory um, in, in the thesaurus with this, public admiration. When you and I are bearing fruit for Christ, it proves to people, I am a believer, and it's like you are publicly admiring who Jesus Christ is through your fruit that you bear. Because people see it. I'm, how many of you know the world doesn't need to see more believers acting stupid? The world doesn't need to see more Christians act like, you all are idiots. I don't want to be part of that. The world needs to see believers bearing fruit, being truly like Christ. You see, bearing fruit, it affects the glory of God and it affects my witness. And then lastly, 
being fruitful saturates my heart with love and joy. In verse 9, it says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Now, let's stop right there. That's where a lot of people love to park. Park the car right there. God loves me. Oh, man, I'm so grateful for that. Man, we love to preach God loves you. God loves you. Isn't that a, that's a good message, though, isn't it? We got, we got to know each and every day because the enemy wants to keep reminding us God can't love you. You're a mess. But no, Jesus reminds us God loves us. It's always a good thing, but we can't just stop there because the next thing Jesus says is very important. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. And here it is. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. We love the top-down love approach. God loves us. Jesus loves us, man. We can preach that all day long, okay? We, it, but here's the thing. It's not a just top-down. It's bottom-up. We love the, the love of Christ, but guess what? It's also about our love for Christ. And do you want to know how Jesus says, I know you'll love me? By obeying my commandments. And obeying his commandments is simply doing what he says. And what has he been saying? Bear fruit. Bear fruit, bear fruit, bear fruit. And he's like, that's a, a, a basically saying, here's how I know you love me. You do what I say, you'll bear fruit. You'll bear fruit for my glory. You'll bear fruit for my Father's glory. That's how I know you love me, and then I'm going to love you. It's never going anywhere. But I want to know, do you love me? And us loving Jesus is not lip service, gang. Oh, I love Jesus, but I'm not bearing fruit for him. Love, love and obedience are connected. You can't have one without the other. You can't... You, you know, you, you have people who say, well, you just obey God, but I don't love God. Or I love God, but I don't want to obey God. You, 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 they're both. They're give and take. They're, they're, they're the same. You've got you to gotta do both. But also notice the last verse there. Jesus says, these things I have spoken to you, verse 11, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. You see, he wants... Here, here's, here's the reality that you and I need to understand. You can never lose the love of God. You can never lose your, your salvation. Those are, those are there. But you can lose the joy of God. And you can lose the fellowship with God. You can have that. Because here's the thing. If I'm not bearing fruit, if I'm walking away from Christ, I'm not abiding in him, I'm not close to him, I'm just, I'm living for the flesh, living for self, you're going to feel that. Because the Bible tells us that we can grieve the Holy Spirit, we can squelch him. And he's going to let you know, hey, I'm upset in here. And you're going to know that. Again, let me read what David says in Psalm 32. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. David, in his sin, when he was apart from God, he felt it. He's like, I'm not the same. There's something broken between me and God. And it was because he was not living and he wasn't bearing fruit. He was apart from God. God never abandoned him, but he abandoned God. 
and he felt it. But it was when he confessed his sin that something was released. Because in Psalm chapter 51, verse 12, he says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. He knew it. He's like, I don't have joy inside. Any of you could, if you're honest, you agree with me. The moment you sin, the moment you do something that you, if you're not bearing fruit, you're not walking with Christ the way you, you feel it. You know there's a disconnect. There's something that's out of whack. And what's out of whack is my relationship, my fellowship. I'm still saved. But man, my fellowship with God is off. My fellowship with Jesus is off. And the reason why it's off is because the Holy Spirit's off. The Holy Spirit's grieved. That's why the, the fruit of confession and repentance is so vital. That's why prayer is so vital. Because the only way you and I confess is through prayer. If you're never ever praying, you're never ever confessing. And I can tell you, all of us have sinned sometime this week. Today, my wife, sin the day. There we go, worship leader, sin the day. That's reality. All of us have sinned this week. Some of you maybe got in a fight driving over here. There you go. But if you're never praying, never ex exercising the fruit of spending time with God in prayer, you're never exercising the fruit of, of confession and repentance, your sin is still there. And the Holy Spirit is going to feel grieved. And you're going to feel your relationship, that fellowship, that that joy that you should have by just, wow, it doesn't mean life is going to be grand. and woo -hoo -hoo, But man, you've, that peace is there. And why? Because when you are in right relationship, right fellowship with God, the Holy Spirit's not grieved, the Holy Spirit's not quenched. Again, perfect? No. But the moment you do sin, the moment you realize, man, I've walked out of fellowship, I'm not abiding in Christ, guess what you're quick to do? God, forgive me. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. And the thing is, this is why you've got to understand scriptures where it says that God's mercies are new every day. His compassion never fails. Great is his faithfulness. God is always faithful to forgive you. His compassion is always there. His mercy is new every day. You can't out God. His grace is greater than your sin. You get that stuff. And so when you do blow it, every moment you blow it, God, forgive me. Help me to be better. Help me to bear fruit. Help me not to be that way. Help me not to act like that. Help me not to sound like that. That, that's when the joy comes. Because I believe that is when the Holy Spirit smiles. Because he's not grieved. But the Holy Spirit is grieved when we hold on to that sin. Like David, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away in my groaning all day long. If you feel like you're groaning, you feel like you don't have that joy. You feel like, man, something's disconnected with you and Jesus. Here's where the starting point is. Jesus, forgive me. Show me, God. Examine this heart. If there's any offensive way thing, God, if I've done it, show me so I can turn from it. That's a great place to start. Loved ones, I've been there all week. This message has worked in my heart before it ever got here. And yet, guess what? God's revealing in me. There's stuff in He's got to keep pruning. There's things in my life where I'm like, God, forgive me. 
I don't stand up here before you to pretend that I'm perfect in any way. Oh, trust me. If, if God said, I'm going to put everybody's life up on the screen today, I'd be like, yeah, I'm in trouble. Y'all would walk out on me. But God is so good. All he asks for you and me is one thing. Be fruitful. Amen? Why don't we all stand, close in a word of prayer. Well, Father, we praise you this morning. And Father, I just want to pray that your Holy Spirit has worked in our hearts today. And Lord, if there would be anyone here today, maybe they're an artificial believer. Lord, they, they have a profession, but they don't have any fruit. There's nothing about their life that would indicate that they are a believer in Jesus Christ. Maybe today it's their day to say, Jesus, forgive me. Come into my life and truly save me. Lord, if maybe there's people here who, maybe they're here, but they're, they've, they've walked away. They're just not, they're not with you. Or maybe they're backslidden and they're just kind of playing around. Maybe they've quit on you. I pray, Holy Spirit, even right now, the conviction in that heart would draw them to confession and repentance. The Lord, for anybody in here who really truly is an authentic believer in Christ, we're bearing fruit. Lord, not perfectly by any means, but Lord, we're trying to progressively become more like Christ, transform, going from glory to glory, day by day. Lord, keep pruning us. Keep helping us to bear more fruit for your glory so we can prove to be your disciples. And we just praise you, Father, and we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.